so many important social events that are occurring right before our eyes. And, uh, and if you turn on the TV for any length of time or open the newspaper, there can be no question there are a lot of social norms being questioned. And uh, chief among them that I want to uh, address, and then a little later we'll, we'll talk about John Hinckley. And since we're all starving for great inspirational leadership, I thought it would be great to go into the Robert Davi vault and find some great Reagan clips going back as far as 1964, where he speaks to many of the social ills that are still going on today. So we'll get to that a little bit later. And also, uh, just to sort of... Here is the creepiest, perhaps, thing you're going to hear all day today. It's if I can find it. Aha, there it is. I'll play that for you in just a second. Uh, because when I first read, I had to scratch my eyes. When I first... When I first heard that he had done this, I said, what? Really? Well, I guess it doesn't surprise me that Justin Trudeau would would sink to a new level. I mean, he's already publicly said how much he admires the Communist Party and how much he enjoys Marxism. I guess he doesn't mind inflicting a little bit of it on his Canadian brothers and sisters from time to time. But just for a moment, I want you to imagine if you turned on the radio one day and the news announcer came on the air and said, breaking news, major legislation has been announced. Here is Chuck Schumer to tell you all about it. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. Say what? I mean, right, that's what you would say. You say, no, that's not possible. You get, what are you joking? No, 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 no. It is true. Here, here it is again. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. We're also fighting gun smuggling and trafficking by increasing maximum criminal penalties and providing more tools for law enforcement to investigate firearm crimes. Mm. These are actions that doctors, experts, and chiefs of police have been calling for for years, and we're acting on their advice. Now, the reason I want you to, uh, I might play that again and again, because I know at some future point, you're going to hear a Kamala Harris utter those words as if they are their, her own because it was a real well framed articulation of how we're going to become totalitarian and we're doing it because the experts say that it's really the best course of action I mean that did you catch that at the end with Justin Trudeau announcing that he's introducing and he just doesn't introduce it that it's, it's by the way it's not legislation it has to be approved but it, just his intonation is that this is a done deal because I say so. And I have experts to tell me that I made the right decision. And how many times have we heard that before? How many times have we heard that the experts know best? Now we have Rochelle Walensky from the CDC telling us that if you take Paxvalid, which is an antiviral to help you not get COVID, you may get COVID and you might get sick and spread it. You know, because the experts... Would, would naturally want to prescribe to you a, a, a method of treatment that would ensure that you would actually get sick from the very thing that you're taking the antiviral to prevent. But this is the way the experts work. It's the same experts that say we can't build dams in California because it might uh, hurt the wild-haired, red, red-eyed toad 
but yet uh, we want to encourage growth in areas which are supposed to have homes in them. And then when things burn down, well, it's your fault because of climate change. So after a while, you start to listen to these people and uh, this is serious stuff and it could happen here. And it's, and it's going to happen here because we have legislators who are even now, in fact, where's that story? I'll find it. The House Judiciary, I believe, is looking up, oh, here it is right in front of me. Headline reads, House Judiciary Committee to Consider Gun Control Bill. The House Judiciary Committee, this is a courtesy of the, I believe it's the Epoch Times from today. Uh, the House Judiciary Committee will meet in an emergency session. This is all this because of Uvalde? What happened? They, they're seizing the opportunity here. They're seizing, seizing the opportunity that you, Joe America, feel so bad about it. That, and because we all want action. See, that's always the key word, right? We want action. We want something to be done so that we can feel that that this act, this serious crime will never be committed again. If it means locking down our schools, if it means introducing, you know, surveillance in every classroom, uh, password restrictions, monitoring. I mean, soon they'll have heat sensors at elementary schools just to make sure that you know, six-year-olds aren't passing illegal sandwiches to each other uh, for fear that they might be, you know, exchanging illicit drugs or something. I, it's it's what we're willing to do to solve a problem by not solving a problem, but feeling good that we at least tried. And so the House Judiciary Committee is pushing for legislation. A couple of the key points that they want to introduce, uh, they want to up the age of the person buying the weapons to 21. Uh, they also want to uh, prohibit the transfer of firearms intentionally bought for a third party. Now, listen, I'm not I'm not going to tell you what you should do and what you shouldn't do with guns. You know, I personally think that we should just teach children martial arts in grade school. And then when they get older, they won't need guns. They'll just go around and chop chop one another. Uh, but at least you'll have the ability to defend yourself if you need to. And if we are headed towards a gunless society, I think I'm going to take up martial arts, aren't you? But it can get, if the next crisis that occurs, and God forbid there is one. And by the way, you ever notice that these mass shootings tend to take place in really depopulated areas? Like, there's like 300 high schools in Los Angeles that are far more fierce, and they have gangs, and they have people that, that are mortal enemies, but you never hear of any, rarely do you ever hear any shootings in Compton or in downtown Los Angeles where I went to school. And that's because they all, they all have guns. I can almost guarantee you that most high school students today in the inner cities either have or have access to a gun within 30 minutes. But they're not shooting each other. You know why? Because the other guy has a gun. That's why. Because they know that they could shoot somebody that might be armed. And they're going to get shot at backwards. And that's how it works on the streets. But when you're in a rural area, oh, they leave the door open. You know, the principal's out having lunch with the secretary principal. Uh, you know, the guidance counselors driving through a Wendy's. You know, no, nobody's on guard. Um, the vice principal's probably playing, you know, words with friends in the library. Or planning, you know, transition, transgender day, whatever they're doing. But it's just, it seems like there's always this, this uh, criminality, this occurrence of shootings in these small towns. 
where they're not on their guard, where not as many people are armed. That's what happened with Buffalo. Uh, the shooter there had, had done research to determine that it was least likely that he would face resistance by having the shooting in Buffalo. So, and neither of these, these two people, these shooters, hid what they were going to do. They were both very vocal about it in social media. They didn't, you know, they dropped a lot of hints. They had chat rooms where they were telling people what they were going to do. They fell through so many cracks. And none of this legislation that we're about to enact now is going to make us a safer country. It's going to prevent these things from happening. And then one day, a really bad event is going to happen, and you're going to wake up, and you're going to hear Chuck Schumer say this. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. And then the country is going to go ballistic. I'm Jim Watkins. We're, of course, filling in for the Robert Davi Show. Uh, so you've got to keep your eye on this stuff, and you've got to be able to react. And the way that you react is that you put your senators or your congresspersons email and their phone in your smartphone, and you can text them, and you figure that out. And every single time they do something that you object to, like coming up with new legislation that won't do anything to, to protect us, then you have a way to get your voice to them. And it, it, if they hear a cacophony of voices, 300, 400, even 50 people object to being any part of gun legislation, they'll think twice. They haven't forgotten that they serve you. They just hope that you don't notice what they're doing. That's what they really hope, so they distract you. All right, there's your lesson for the day. Hi, everyone. This is Fred Dreyer for Balance7.com. Do you have acid indigestion? You can't eat the foods you like? Your stomach is upset all the time? Chronic pain a problem? Then do yourself a favor and go to Balance7.com. Start living again and get rid of chronic pain. Balance 7 has all the natural ingredients that work to rid your body of inflammation. I take it every day to keep my inflammation and acid indigestion in check. Remember, a sick body is an acid body. So get rid of your acid indigestion and inflammation with Balance7.com. Call 800-793-9039. That's 800-793-9039. 800-793-9039 or go to balance7.com. That's balance, the number seven, dot com. You know, I'm the one delivering the message, not receiving it. You know that they're still having the baby formula shortage? You don't hear about it that much. The mainstream media has moved on. They gave their two or three days coverage to it. They don't want moms to get too upset. They don't want people knowing. I've got to call out FDA and also um, the guy uh, Pete Buttigieg on this. This is just ridiculous. It's embarrassing. And it shows really the incompetence of this administration, not only because they haven't fixed it, but because they said they were going to fix it. And they were the ones that caused it in the first place by not giving its attention. And, and so you say, yeah, but but Jim, they're they're shipping in this baby formula, Operation Sky Formula, whatever they called it. Not true. I mean, a lot of it is being held up in customs. They get this stuff in. They only get it from England. At this point, they do not import a baby formula from any other country other than the UK. Why is it? Well, because labels are not affixed properly. 
because maybe the tubes are a little bit longer, maybe the scooper isn't large enough, or maybe it's too large. You don't want to give your, t- your kid too much. It's all these little niggly little rules that the FDA comes up with that basically says we need, we need to approve everything. And this slows down the process. They have to re-inspect. So instead of it, oh, it's Operation Fly Formula. And it's being held on military planes. They could be importing it from Mexico. Uh, they could probably be importing baby formula from Canada. Other places where they make it, certainly Europe. It's, I'm sure it's just as safe. I wouldn't probably risk you know, importing it from China, although I'm sure China would like to sell a lot of it. But if we work with our partners where we at least know where we get other food stuff from without issue, then there shouldn't be any issue. But because of our government, it almost it's hard for me to believe that that the forget the media, they're they're not our friends. But just simply look at the 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 ineptitude of our White House chief spokesperson. Uh, who who everything to them is about race, gender, and rights, uh, uh, privileges, equity. So I, I think that there's an, there's an opportunity here for us to call on Mr. Biden and say, look, uh, you have to help us. This is about children. And, and come November, you're going to see your entire party decimated. Don't think for a moment that we don't know. And the Democrats need to put pressure on Biden. They absolutely do. The Democrats, this is their moment. They could seize the day. They can they come out looking like heroes if they would simply put the pressure and get the baby formula delivered. They should have Amazon. Bezos could, could whip this. Uh, he could get it delivered, well, this afternoon, I'm sure, if he worked on it. They're, they have the best infrastructure I can think of where they could truly deliver on the goods. And everybody would love Jeff Bezos. He would be the hero of the day. The Democrats would have a few minutes of glory. And mommies and babies everywhere would be so thrilled. And Biden would look like a hero. But he's such a buffoon, he doesn't understand that he's on, he has an opportunity here. He can take what was bad and make it good. But and, and, and don't hey, listen. I'll give him some free consulting anytime if it would help my fellow Americans. Absolutely. So uh, in the next segment, I want to play some stuff. There was a news item today. John Hinckley, who was the guy who tried to take out Reagan, I get him in John the John Lennon shooter uh, a lot of times. I don't know if you do that because they both happen within a year of each other. And I think one guy's name was John, and the other guy's name was John, and then you had Lennon, and you know, and then you had Jodie Foster in there. And I can't remember who tried to kill somebody to win the heart of Jodie. But either way, John Hinckley went to prison for trying to take out Reagan, and we all remember the day. Uh, and it looks as if he is going to be released. So this John Hinckley fellow, he went before the board. He was exemplary in his 25 years. Uh, in prison was a 25 or 40 I can't remember it must 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 be 40 uh, he's been in a minimum security now since about 2016 but they're they're willing to let him out and they said it's on good behavior and so I thought it would be a good time to go back and and listen to a little bit of Reagan uh, because he was such a great president and we are starving for a good leader 
somebody who can articulate well. And he also had some good moments, too, uh, Ronald did. And I can see now why so many of his supporters liked him, because he had charm. He had a very high degree of intelligence. And uh, let me see if I have that one clip. There's one, it almost sounds like a demo reel, but here's a little bit of, of R Ronald Reagan speaking. Just listen to the eloquence of his voice. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Should bring on my friend Jan. We, he's been on before. We've talked politics before. Uh, Harvard Law, educated lawyer. We've had him on. He's a big fan of Reagan's. He has all these great Reagan stories. So I want to spend a little bit of time, you know, talking about Reagan a little bit because he was, you know, history was much kinder to him than many in his own party uh, during that period. And I was young, and I, I didn't fully appreciate as much as I do today, what he did and, and some of the things he was in, in many ways, I think he planted the seeds for a later harvest. Uh, and I think there were a lot of underlying principles that Reagan put into place that even Donald Trump later would come and exploit to the betterment of the country, by the way. I believe that Reagan, his, his legacy is that he did re reduce government intrusion in our life because as he would say, government doesn't solve the problem government is the problem as he would say and we're going to hear a little bit more from him in just a moment here on the robert dobby show my name is jim watkins and uh, i will continue in just a moment then we'll take a listen to maybe a couple of one-liners from joe biden to get a good good laugh or two uh but in the meantime also i i have penned an article i think that is important because today is the first day of pride month and i want to talk about pride month in length and I want to get your opinion on it. And it's, it's crucial because we are in crucial social times when all social norms are being questioned and analyzed, some of them even eliminated to the detriment of our culture and our country. So we'll talk about that in just a moment here. Listen to us on the CRN Talk radio network, along with great affiliates throughout Radio Land all across the country. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Swade, the producer, some days, you know, people joke around, they kid around, and they can sometimes think something is funny, but you don't realize it. But in today's world, you have to be so extremely careful in the work environment because what you think might be funny could be 
horribly, horribly offensive to somebody, somebody else. And so you always have to have that in the back of your mind uh, because you don't know. And, and besides, I mean, uh, unfortunately, people don't have a sense of humor anymore. So, for example, there was a story, if I can find it here, there was a, a man who was a, a contestant on that ABC show, what's it called, the uh, so, you want, so You Think You Can Dance. And I guess he was doing pretty good, and he was, you know, there was hope that he could probably go pretty far in the in the TV show. But at some point, he started texting one of the co-competitors, uh, I guess. Uh, and that person got a couple texts and said, you know what, this is inappropriate. That's kind of flirty. I don't think I like that. And so that person then reported him to the producers of the show, and that guy was out of there. He's gone. And that's all it takes. And, and there you go. Uh, you know, we don't know what he said. We don't know what, what he what he. But it sounded pretty innocent. It sounded like something that is not unknown in the world today. But but the world is different. You know, the Me Too thing, it, it doesn't take much. Uh, every day you hear somebody who is who is being canceled, who they lose, lose their livelihood because of something they said last week or they said last year. I was watching uh, Ricky Gervais the other night with my wife, and oh man, you, it was just so refreshing to hear somebody. His humor was so advanced in some respects that you you didn't know whether to be offended because you had to spend time thinking about what he said, you know. And he was just terrific. And uh, but it kind of brings me uh, to the subject of the fact that it is Pride Month, and I want to share with you. And I've given this a lot of thought. I, I the, for for unique circumstances that I won't bore you with, I, I have a lot more insight into the LGBTQ community than many others. Simply because of, and by the way, not that I have to qualify, but no, I'm not gay. But you know, I know a lot of people that are, and and some of my dearest friends, uh, uh, many of whom have passed in my long years. I can count a lot of them, and unfortunately part of my anger towards the LGBTQ community is because I think that the LGBTQ community uh, did a grave disservice, just like they're doing a grave disservice now with monkeypox, because they're so worried about shaming. I can't believe that they think that they still have to worry. Nobody cares about gays. I mean, we've accepted it. I mean, there's so many, I mean, it's just, I, I, I can't even count on one hand anybody that I've ever met that looks down on someone simply because of the fact that they're gay. Now, when that person is constantly referring to it or constantly makes it an, a self-identity issue, constantly makes it all about that, then you, you tend to, that would be true for anybody. If you had somebody who came over your house all the time and all they did was talk about how great of a golfer they were and you didn't care about golf, you would be irritated, you know? Anyway, so, but you wouldn't think that LGBTQ leads to tyranny, but it does. And I've been able to observe how this has fundamentally unfolded itself over the past 30 years. And I'm going to connect those dots for you. Uh, so this month, the world honors Pride Month. The world, it, it's, it's not any longer just a party in Santa Barbara uh, on, on solstice. It is now a full-on world global, we love you, uh, kumbaya affirmation in, in every country supposedly they all celebrate pride month 
and it's an honor to and a and an extension of exclusivity handed to the LGBT community. However, there's a lot of downsides to what's happening now. So there'll be a month of celebrating all of this open sexual freedom. They celebrate a special class of people whose identity is paramount to all other privileges. And and by the way, Ben Shapiro penned a great article today on the lunacy of the new ideology, one in which you can you can self-identify and everyone around you must comply. And they are also protected by law from any kind of discrimination. Even to the point where if you are caught thinking or expressing an idea that can be perceived as bullying or otherwise offending a person who self-identifies as something you can't see, but you have to accept that as mutually shared. You don't have an option. It's against the law. So LGBTQ and all of its antecedents are now a protected class. They hold special victim status, especially in the world of trans, transsexualism. And it's starting to emerge. Young children are affirmed for embracing the philosophy of, yes, you can. You can be anything you want to be. And Joe Biden has sanctioned this new reality of self. And it's permeated our justice system, social services, military, education. And it filters down to the schools of both higher learning and the elementary school level. Under the guise of diversity, inclusion, and equity, the force of law now protects this class, this group. The loss of livelihood is the price you pay for noncompliance. Speech is regulated. Diversity chiefs are requiring compliance on the corporate level. And you will literally have people whose job it is to make sure you don't persecute or offend or misgender somebody because they are a member of protected class and hate crimes. Those carry a very fierce price. So today, the protected class is LGBTQ+. It started with protections, discrimination laws, then it became policy to make sure people who were gay were not being bullied. That's good. It was a good step. But you also had to bake the cake. You also had to give your blessings. Or as a nurse, you had, at a Catholic hospital, you had to use proper pronouns when talking to a student or you get fired. Then it became getting blocked on social media if you used the wrong words or said how you felt. Or then you lose your tax-exempt status because your church is anti-gay. Or you refuse to have a unisexual bathroom. And then suddenly, it's an effort to protect the protected class. The government intervenes at every level to make sure that you're in compliance. Think about what they're doing now with, with bathrooms and, and making sure that if you identify as a female and you're male, you have to be allowed to use the woman's bathroom. That's the government. That's the federal government reaching down, rolling up its sleeves and reaching down and saying, you will comply. And this is why I have a great disdain for anti-religious organizations as well, like the Freedom From Religion Society. They use the same exact tools of getting protection from the government. Because while our rights come from God, according to the Constitution, because the government is separate, people use its powers to pick winners and losers. Of course, government loves it when people from certain groups come to them for help. They're only too eager to provide cover. It's how they get in and insert their authority. Short-sighted people who lobby for government protections aren't wise enough to see where this leads, and it leads to totalitarianism. So go enjoy your pride while you bring down freedom. 
And by the way, let me get back to you because I have a minute. This monkeypox thing now has grown. I told you yesterday, it seems to be almost doubling every single day. Um, I need to correct myself. Yesterday it was 505. The day before it was 335. Now it's a 610. Probably will be a thousand by this first weekend. Now, it's been established that monkeypox has spread primarily through the gay community through loose sexual relations and parties and festivals that have been going on in Antwerp and in Spain. And now we're about to embark on an entire month of frivolity and the celebration of pride and sexual liberty. And the World Health Organization is telling people don't worry about spreading this disease because they want to protect and they want to prevent gay people from feeling ashamed and they're willing to risk the infection of millions of people in order to protect pride. Protect pride. What is that? What's that expression? Pride come before a fall? That's right. I seem to recall that from somewhere. The wisdom of the ages. Pride cometh before a fall. Thanks so much for joining us today. So yeah, the news uh, about Hinckley getting unconditional release, the former, well, not the former, the current attempted assassin of Ronald Reagan, our president back in 1981, after serving what they said was good behavior for uh, for 25 years, the time has come. He has paid his debt to society, and he promises never to try anything like that again. So how do you feel about that? I, I, I mean, I'm, I have mixed feelings. Part of me feels like, okay, you know, he paid his price, but man, you can't do, I mean, look, it, uh, what do you say? I mean, it's the president. There has to be standards. If you don't, it's just, I don't, that's why it's mixed because I got my left brain that tells me another guy should spend the rest of his life in prison for trying to kill the most powerful man in America. And then you have my right brain, which is all my emotions and, you know, touchy feely. And I feel like, oh, he's paid his debt to society. So that's why one person can never decide anything. That's why we have a jury. That's why we have 12 people. Because you can't make those kinds of life or death decisions as one person, as he tried to do. So uh, let's go back into the vault, though, because, gosh, you know, Ronald Reagan is such a great communicator. He had a great sense of humor. Before I play that, I'll play a little funny, funny bit. This is something that... Uh, he was giving uh, a press conference, and uh, he, he was talking about freedom in America. And, uh, but he kind of diverted, and he told this little joke. And, I, and because it is baseball season, I thought you might have a little fun with it. Here's Ronald Reagan from back in the uh, late 70s. A former place kicker with the Los Angeles Rams, who later became a sports announcer, Danny Villanueva, told me about communications. He said he'd been having dinner over at the home of a young ball player with the Dodgers. The young wife was bustling about getting the dinner ready. They were talking sports and the baby started to cry. And over her shoulder, his busy wife said to the ball player, change the baby. And he was a young fella and he was embarrassed in front of Danny. And he said, what do you mean change the baby? I'm a ball player, that's not my line of work. And she turned around, put her hands on her hips and she communicated. <laughs> She said, look, Buster, you lay the diaper out like a diamond. You put second base on home plate. You put the baby's bottom on the pitcher's mound. You hook up first and third, slide home underneath. And if it starts to rain, the game ain't called. You start all over. 
I wonder if he wrote that. You think he had a speechwriter writing that? Maybe it was Laura Ingram. Who knows? Uh, here is Reagan from 1964. He is the he is the uh, moderator between Goldwater and I forget who was running. But anyway, here's Reagan. He did a speech uh, about five minutes, and here are the important parts of it. It's actually quite inspiring. And I just want to make the point that this is what leadership sounds like. I have been permitted to choose my own words and discuss my own ideas regarding the choice that we face in the next few weeks. I have spent most of my life as a Democrat. I recently have seen fit to follow another course. I believe that the issues confronting us cross party lines. No nation in history has ever survived a tax burden that reached a third of its national income. Today, 37 cents out of every dollar earned in this country is the tax collector's share. And yet our government continues to spend $17 million a day more than the government takes in. We haven't balanced our budget 28 out of the last 34 years. We've raised our debt limit three times in the last 12 months. And now our national debt is one and a half times bigger than all the combined debts of all the nations of the world. We have $15 billion in gold in our treasury. We don't own an ounce. Foreign dollar claims are $27.3 billion. And we've just had announced that the dollar of 1939 will now purchase 45 cents in its total value. That was back in 1964. So slash all those numbers in half. We're, we're probably collectively now paying the government in from some form of a tax 60 to 70 percent of our income. Isn't that amazing? And the dollar, what's it worth now? 22 cents? Here's Ronald Reagan talking about how America is the last stand for freedom. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. So true, right? So true. I mean, we forget that. Um, I think about that often. And we talk about the show. As a matter of fact, what circles the philosophy of the show and, and what gets me up every single morning is that we have to fight for this. This is something we can't take for granted. There are actual people now who believe that America should be fundamentally transformed into a consensus, pseudo-socialist, almost like a Marxist, thinking they can get close to Marxism without actually touching it, that they can withdraw the good qualities they perceive that come from Marxism, like comp com uh, compliance, equity, what we talk about, diversity, equity. It's as old as time itself. George Orwell warned us about this in Animal Farm. Some, some people are more equal than others. I remember years ago in a brochure that I had picked up on an airplane, and it was for an international school. And it was it was it was an advertisement for sending your kids overseas to these really elite schools, you know, the best schools that money can buy. And and one of the allures of the elites is this this sort of virtuous feeling of 
of equity. Everybody's equal, right? They, they feel virtuous in their ability to look at anybody and say, that person's no better, no, no worse than me. And they take pride in this, this idea that, that everybody's equal. But then in the brochure, it said, the headline, be first among the equals. And even in that, in that, that brief testimony, it, it, it indicates human nature. Human nature, it does not make us equal. We are not equal. We are all different. We all have greater and lesser strengths. Some areas better than others. I am not a great football player. I will never be a good basketball player, but that's okay. I don't need to be. And so, but I have the freedom to try it. And I don't have somebody telling me, hey, you can't be this. And in China, they, they, they tell you what you're going to do. If you live in Cambodia, you, you are told what you're going to do. And if you have a particular skill set of being able to count widgets, you're going to be a widget counter for the rest of your life in some of these countries. And that's what people like uh, AOC want to do here, Bernie Sanders and the like, and even Joe Biden. They want to govern from within. They feel that they can best allocate resources in our country. They pick and choose winners and losers all the time. Here's another note about Ronald Reagan brief, again, from the archives because we're celebrating his spirit, we're celebrating his leadership, but more importantly, we're just damn thirsty for a breath of fresh air. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. Man's old, old age dream, the ultimate in individual freedom consistent with law and order, or down to the ant heap of totalitarianism. And regardless of their sincerity, their humanitarian motives, those who would trade our freedom for security have embarked on this downward course. In this vote harvesting time, they use terms like the great society, or as we were told a few days ago by the president, we must accept a greater government activity in the affairs of the people. Man, was he prophetic? Was he speaking a truth or what? That's exactly what we're, you know, I never really thought about what the word interventionist government meant. And then somebody brought it up today, uh, the other day, and they said, Joe Biden is an interventionist. And I thought, my God, you know, they're absolutely right. They think they can just roll up their sleeves and put their hands in, in the cake and stick their sticky little fingers all over the place and make everything just right. This is what the government is today. Uh, and Reagan is right. So those, those same concerns uh, are still with us today. And that's why we have to be vigilant against guys like this let make let me make let, 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 let no one make a mistake uh-huh yeah and uh you know i just found out again today that fauci do you know that dr anthony fauci was charged by the biden white house to go and negotiate the terms for this new world health health organization treaty it's true that's why we haven't been seeing fauci so much he's busy he's busy hanging out with uh Director General Ted, Tedros. It's interesting. Tedros uh, uh, Adenan, Gabriel Jesus. Each one of those words means something related to God. I find that interesting, don't you? 
that the director of the World Health Organization, his first name means God, the guest of God. Adonai is God, the spirit of God. Gabriel, which is the angel of the Lord. And then, of course, Jesus. He's got four names, and they're all connected to God. So that's something to think about. I'm not sure what conspiracy I can draw from that, but I found it casually interesting. And Dr. Fauci's over there negotiating the terms of our surrender, even as I speak. Until next time, have a great first day of Pride.